All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. This time it's episode 55, Tom. 55 time. You got and it's Tommy Armstrong here today, part of the Red Fox Report, one of the anchors for the Red Fox Report, junior sports comm major. How are we doing today? Doing all right. Thanks for having me, Derek. Appreciate you holding me on the podcast. Been a little bit of time coming here, but finally get to be on. So doing all right. What would you say your t- talk to me about your journey? What led you to where you are now? So always been a big sports guy growing up. Uh played four sports throughout my entire childhood. Uh went into high school, played three sports in high school as well. Um, you know, every every little kid's dream always wanted to be a professional athlete, as every every person wants, uh, either making the MLB, the NBA, anything like that. Uh after I realized that I wasn't six foot five. And a couple injuries took its toll, uh, figured to go another path, went into my high school broadcasting team, started doing play-by-play for a lot of our varsity sports, uh, soccer, basketball, uh, baseball, stuff like that. And then uh, took me to Maris just because of the program that they had and started to get involved in that as well, looking to keep down that same road. And then kind of uh, since you've been at Maris, has your plans kind of changed on their trajectory? Um, obviously more play-by-play in high school than kind of anything else, but kind of go with that um yeah so I came in with the same thought just trying to bring what I've learned in high school what I've been doing in high school try and do the same kind of stuff at Marist uh Marist broadened my horizon a little bit been taking just sports analytics classes I like the statistics part of everything now um just learning new ways to the Red Fox report uh all the behind the scenes stuff versus on the camera stuff so just uh able to give me different look on the entire sports realm that I've always wanted to be a part of, but nothing's really changed. Still want to be involved in sports. Um, do I know exactly what I would want to do in the next few years? No, but kind of the same plan, just going down that path, seeing what suits me well. And, you know, obviously what makes me happy going on forward. Does it concern you at all that you don't know a direct path um, at the end of the day, since Maris, let's be honest, Maris Sports Communication, very broad, talk about this all the time. Do you feel like that's helped, hurt? What, do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I think it helps, if anything. Uh, I think it's important, especially when you're going to get internships or start out early in a job. It's not going to be, hey, we'll put you as play-by-play for the New York Yankees, which obviously would be an ultimate dream doing play-by-play for a professional sports team or professional channel, Fox, CBS, stuff like that. But um, I think it kind of helps me. It uh, allows me to be able to take a first job or something and run with it and just see where it takes me. Uh, I have joy doing different areas of sports. So I think I kind of like having an open perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And then kind of moving on a little bit, what would you say the significance of sports are in your life kind of in general? Because there's a reason that you're in – you know, sports communication, there's a reason that you want to pursue the sports field. Obviously, playing sports had a huge impact on that as well. Yeah, same thing. Uh, just p- playing sports my whole life. I grew up with over 20 cousins. I two brothers. So it's just a lot of in-house competition. Uh, uh, same thing, just competitive nature throughout the whole thing. Sports grew up with me. I grew up with sports. And then even nowadays, just um, – Look forward to football being on every day, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. It's always kind of a bummer not having football on the TV. So certain things like that, it definitely absorbs me, the amount of fantasy football leagues I'm in and the amount of research I do just for fun, uh, looking at different players' leagues um, around the sports realm. But uh, it has a big impact in terms of it's what it, – it, it's my favorite hobby, just looking at sports, playing sports, doing anything that I can be involved with. And then kind of with that sports mindset, getting into the field, how are connections for you? How do you go about it? How comfortable are you with connecting with, whether it be professors, whether it be professionals, just kind of connections on LinkedIn or just throughout the sports media industry? Yeah, that's my favorite thing about Maris, that that's definitely opened up connections. uh, Having, I know you're in the same couple of my classes, uh, having Chris Rizzio and ESPN producer, and then having... John Brickley, um, a well-known play-by-play commentator on air, uh, 
previously for ESPN. It's just nice to have those connections and Maris just being able to help guide you hand in hand in terms of looking for internships, just looking for the pathway that you want. Uh, high school definitely have hooked up with a couple connections just through broadcasting team. I did a couple of broadcasting classes in high school. Bob was using the radio voice play-by-play uh, -play for the Jets actually was an alumni from my high school. So uh, I've connected with him a couple of times. He's come in through Zoom. We've had people visit the class. Um, so just in terms of people that I've spoke to, it's nice to take in all the wisdom and knowledge that they could give me. And hopefully as my junior and senior year come to a close, I'm looking for a job. Those connections can uh, grow even more and help me as uh, my future goes along. And you talk about the classes at Marist College. Would you say watching a sports broadcast has changed um, from, let's just say, high school to now or even just in general? Yeah, so that's the big thing that uh, our professor, John Brickley, preaches. Uh, well, you have to, can't watch the game as a fan when you're doing play-by-play. -play. Uh, Got to be in that mindset. Uh, it's definitely changed. Uh, in high school, what wanted me to start doing the play-by-play -play is just my fandom of sports, watching the sports, even if it was my varsity teams. It was just, wow, this is a really cool thing to watch and commentate on. I was kind of watching that as a fan, just um, doing it in that nature. But, yeah, it's definitely changed how I watch a broadcast paying attention to the small details, uh, all the prep work that these guys go through before they get on air and do their thing. What would you say is your favorite part of a broadcast? That's tough. Um, definitely the most nerve-wracking part, but exciting part is the open. I always think, uh, you know, you got to have those certain topics on. It's right on the fly. It's just a quick conversation back and forth. You got to hit your time window and everything like that. Uh, we're just... Again, mentioning John Brickley, uh, talk about that in his classes that we've been taking. So uh, that's definitely piqued my interest. But it's probably just getting right into it. If you're doing the play-by-play, -play, um, the big moments, uh, being able to put a good call on or just the exciting moments in a sports game, whether it be a touchdown, a goal, uh, a nice three-point shot, an and one, something like that. Uh, those moments that get you excited as a fan, it's nice to be able to show that same sort of fandom, but in the broadcasting play-by-play -play way. I just find it so funny. Like, my, I guess, ideal of, like, broadcasting, I don't know. It, it's going to sound weird when I say it, but you'll get it a little bit. My favorite thing is prep. I love prepping. Like, it sounds odd, but, like, I could spend an entire day of just prepping for a game and not call the game just because you're absorbing so much money. What would you say, like, the lessons that you learn from prep are not necessarily just from a broadcasting standpoint, but from like a kind of a life perspective. Yeah, it's definitely another stressful part. I understand the, uh, the excitement that it could bring just learning about all the different teams. And that's definitely something to look forward to, but um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stress is in the prepping part, just trying to get as much information as you can. Uh, it, correlates like you said just uh life lessons in itself to always be prepared uh you want to over prepare uh not not too much but be able to have enough info just in case you get in the dead spot or you know just feel as comfortable as you can before you go on air so that obviously when a certain player comes up or a certain moment happens you're not just uh caught not knowing what to say as a broadcaster, what would you say your strength is? Um, I think in terms of when I played sports, I always had a good eye of a court or a field, um, being able to just see a field well. And I think that correlates to the same thing as broadcasting. Um, being in the booth, I think I can take that same advantage that I had when playing and use that in the booth. Um, just being able to pick apart plays or kind of just fully see what happens and be able to show that to an audience and the listener. Yeah, mine is more re – I'm just so good at reactionary type of stuff. I feel like that's kind of the strength. So the prep work, the intro, that's a little difficult. But once you're into the game, it's cruise time. But how would you say kind of COVID has – I know COVID happened kind of a, lot, a while ago. But how would you say that kind of impacted you – kind of on your drive and your, you know, path? 
Yeah, Kovu is definitely an interesting situation. Um, that was right when I started doing broadcasting in high school, so it kind of was annoying at first. I it, it stopped my ability to be able to go in my high school broadcasting team and do all these play-by-plays, get my experience. But <clears throat> it also kind of awoken my passion for what I wanted to do. Uh, sports was shut down for a while, as we know, all professional sports in the beginning of COVID, and that was – in annoyance to say the least, uh, being a fan and then eventually uh, trying to get into the broadcasting scene, um, not having sports for those few months. Uh, you don't really know what to do with yourself when you're a huge sports fan. So definitely um, showed that this is what I like to do. This is a passion of mine and I want to get right into it. So once sports kind of came back at your high school, um, still kind of during the pandemic, were you able to broadcast um, for those games or not? Yeah, so we had a shorter staff, definitely, just trying to not have as much commotion up in our booth. But we're able to put on uh, certain broadcasts. Um, sometimes, you know, early on had to be with masks, had to be with some protocols, whatever. But we're able to get things done. Right when we started back, though, I believe it was the baseball season. I still played baseball at that time in high school. So had to do a little half and half trying to get, uh, broadcasting for our softball games or any other things that were going on, but um, in terms of also playing baseball, but eventually able to get it going. My senior year, things kind of reopened, so we we're able to do some uh, basketball, volleyball, and uh, softball later in that year. And then, what would you say? How would you kind of have learned from the experience broadcasting during COVID? You know, having uh, to wear a mask, kind of adapting to everything. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It was just being able to adapt. You know, you're not in that same scenery that you're used to. You might not be with the same amount of people, all hands on deck. So kind of have to learn to do a little bit more, kind of have to adjust to just dealing with the mass, that whole annoyance of it. Um, but yeah, adaptability, just being able to get it done, even when the situation isn't the same as you pictured. Yeah, I kind of personally, from a broadcasting perspective, um, I feel like I liked COVID in terms of like people weren't able to go to the game, which stinks from a broadcasting perspective, but sure. like the pressure is all on you. Like I had a broad, I broadcasted probably not, not as much as you did in high school, but I you know, continued to do what I could just based on being at a, at a public school and figuring everything out. But the amount of reviews after you call a game during COVID, no one's at the game and they're hearing your voice. And for me, it was only me. I didn't have a color. It was only me. So like that for me kind of like led the way for broadcasting. So did you, do you think kind of COVID either helped you from a confidence perspective or anything like that to say, Hey, this is my career path. People love me or kind of, Oh, I didn't really get any feedback, but I still feel comfortable in what I'm doing. Or you kind of yeah, you brought up that. a good you brought up a good point there, just saying that not as many people could come to the game. So the live streams that were put on, people were able to tune in from home and still watch the game. And uh, I had a similar thing as well. It was actually I forget exactly what uh, town my school was playing, but a parent from the visiting team actually called in or emailed uh, one of the. I don't even know who was our athletic director at our school. And I did have a color commentator at the time. So uh, he emailed and said, like, the two people you had on, they were phenomenal. I didn't know you guys had this whole thing set up. Uh, pretty much said that it was great in terms of COVID to be able to watch the live stream from home. So that was definitely something early on. I was just a senior in high school. And I was like, wow, I was like, you know, maybe I maybe I can do this a little bit. Maybe I can get going with it. So it was for sure a confidence boost. And it was nice to get started on that. Yeah, I feel like for your perspective, kind of having that confidence boost, being with someone else is even more so because like, I feel like personally, like calling a game by yourself, you might, some people might say it's more stressful. I think it's less stressful because you don't have to worry about someone butting in or anything like that. It's kind of, it's kind of just your show. So like from a confidence perspective, you can kind of see, hey, I'd rather have two people. I'd rather have one. But at the end of the day, in this sports business, I think you can agree, confidence is the biggest thing um, that anybody needs, whether it be in broadcasting, production, whatever you do, confidence, I can say it time and time again, 
confidence is a leading factor in life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And just to, like you said, even whether it's doing it solo with someone, with two other people, it's nice to have that flexibility and have that range to be able to do anything. And like you said, it just builds your confidence. And then kind of moving on to more of a job interview type of scenario, what do you feel like you bring to the table that other people don't? Um, it's kind of cliche, but it's just going to be hard work. Um, I think whatever task uh, I have to be able to get done or if someone's like, hey, we got this extra thing that you might have to do at home, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one to get it done, especially uh, early on in my career. I want to just be able to do anything to learn, grow, and also just to get myself ahead. So if there's a certain situation where they need another person to help out on something or they need someone to take a new assignment, I'm going to be the one to try and step up to the plate. It's that sort of confidence and that drive to just be able to go for it and, you know, see what, see what happens from it. Not be, not be scared to take a leap. Moving on from that, what would you say you like most about yourself? In general? Like whether first, first go general and then go from a broadcasting perspective. I'll, I'll try and group it the best I can. Um, I think it's just being personable. Uh, I like to meet new people. I like to have conversations and learn from other people, learn other people's story. Um, so I think just being able to have conversations with people that I don't know, people of all ages, someone my age or even an elder. Um, I think that from... A general standpoint is good in life just to be able to meet people, just to be able to grow. And then in terms of broadcasting and in a career, that's important to grow connections with and, again, learn experience, wisdom from people of all different ages and backgrounds. Last question for part one. What would you tell a freshman, a person in high school, if they wanted to go to a similar career path as you and I? what would you tell them? It's just get involved as much as you can. Um, this is not really a career path where you could say, hey, I'll just, if you had no experience, just be like, hey, I'll put my resume in and maybe they'll pick me or maybe I can figure it out once I get in there. Uh, it's not that easy and uh, definitely need some experience and some background on it. And just to, as much as you can pile in uh, as much experience or whatever it is just research on your own being able to be comfortable in certain situations just as much as you can have before actually getting to the higher levels of the this career is extremely important couldn't say it better myself all right moving on to the nba nba just started so a lot not much going on at this point but the big headline, Victor, do you think he's going to last in this league or do you think he's going to be the next Chris Stapps Porzingis? <laughs> yeah, Victor coming in, big headline uh, for this offseason of the NBA. I do not think he'll be Chris Stapps Porzingis um, in terms of a prospect, definitely uh, much higher graded than Porzingis. I, his really only concern is could get injured. Guy's a little thin for the NBA maybe, but hey, he's 7'4", and he's a unicorn. Um, and I think that's almost what the NBA is transitioning to. Not that everybody's going to be 7'4", but it's going to be a little more positionless. Uh, people can be able to play the one or the two, even when they're 6'10", or 6'9". We've seen it. LeBron plays one through five, and now Victor's bringing up the ball, and he's 7'4". Uh, I think this kid does have the entire bag and the talent to succeed in this league. And don't be spilling my secrets, but I got a fantasy NBA dynasty drafts coming up and I'm really looking to target Victor. So I, I do have confidence in him. So in the realm of Victor, do you think that he will be at one day? This is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if you know what I'm going to go, but do you think one day that he will be known as the GOAT better than LeBron James, better than Michael Jordan? Do you think he'll be in that, at, at least in that conversation, I should say? Yeah, that's so hard to tell because it's not just how good the one person is. It's longevity. It's being able to 
rack up championships, being able to be a contender year in and year out. And I mean, looking at the Spurs right now, besides him, their roster is not that. So we'll see how the Spurs team can build around him. He has to be a player who could carry a team time and time again to the championship. Um, off the rip, I mean, the kid's got the talent for it. I'll say no, just because, again, the injuries, the concern for his longevity in the league, um, the team that right now that is around him. Although when LeBron came into the league, the Cavaliers were very much bottom of the barrel. And LeBron brought him to the playoffs early on. So Victor can quickly turn this Spurs team around and take them into the conversation of the West. Right now, the West is an uber-competitive conference as well, so that's going to be interesting to see how he competes in it. Um, I won't put him on that podium. I think it's too early to deem him to be able to be a GOAT, but like I said, he definitely got the talent, uh, and if he survives long enough in the NBA, he could be in that conversation. See, how I look at Victor is how I look at other sports. I think... He's comparable to like the Shohei Otani in baseball. He's compare. I think the biggest comparison for Victor right now is Connor Bedard, um, in the NHL. I think those two are are the guys that you you're gonna be talking about for years to come. Saying that he's the goat early on, I I don't think you can even say it at this point. I just think that's absurd. But moving on a little bit off of Victor, but maybe not. If you have your Brooklyn Nets guy, if you had to pick one player, any single player in the NBA to be on your team, who are you picking? Yeah, this is good. Uh, to start a franchise with or just right now? Start, start a, not necessarily start a franchise, but like, let's say the Brooklyn Nets become bankrupt or something like that, and all their players go to free agency or something like that. Who is your top target? Like re not re gutting the roster, but like Brooklyn Nets are your team, and let's say we're doing a fantasy draft. Yeah, uh, you know that's interesting. Uh, if kind of like you said, the whole NBA was changed, and the Nets have the first pick or whatever, and I want a guy on my team, I think you're going right to the reigning two time MVP, and you're going into Cole Jokic. Uh, I think for sure that dude is the best player in the league. Um. It's weird because we look at his offseason training and they say he doesn't touch the basketball, but then he comes in and he's making pull-up threes in the preseason in his first game back. Back-to-back uh, -back MVPs, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets three straight. I think voter fatigue's a real thing, so will he get it? I don't know. But after his dominant run last year, um, for sure, I think for the next three, four, or five years, he'll be that top dog in the NBA. That's an interesting choice. I was... I know he's won MVPs. I was just not expecting it. I was thinking more of like a Curry, maybe a guy who can shoot the basketball. I'm not saying Jokic can't shoot the basketball, but he's not the guy who's – I don't feel like he's the leader necessarily of the Nugget. Like, yes, he's the best player, but I don't think the leadership qualities are there, so I probably would not take him. But I definitely see your point. So kind of on the Nets, we'll move on to the Nets and strictly on the Nets. What do you like on the Nets, first of all? Um, right now, I like some of the pieces that they have. They're not a complete team. The puzzle's not fully in. But um, I like the trades they made, given the unfortunate situations they've had in recent years with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Um, McCall Bridges is a nice piece. Got Dinwiddie back in the building. Uh, a couple of those Suns guys, uh, Mavericks guys in those trades. A lot of good pieces. Um, I think their real concern is, do they have a superstar? I like McCall Bridges. I don't know if he'll be able to be one of the top guys in the league and be an all-NBA caliber player. So are they there? No. But it's a fun group to root for. Ben Simmons. What are Love your it. thoughts there? Uh, I... I don't know if you paid too much attention to the preseason, but I absolutely love what he has been doing in the preseason. I've been very frustrated with Ben Simmons over the last couple of years. Um, but listen, if he can get back to his form, people forget early on in his career, this guy was an all-star just one, two years into his career. Um, I like what Ben Simmons brings to the table as a playmaker. Again, I talked about positionless basketball. He's six foot nine, six foot 10 able to dribble, able to play make like anybody else in the NBA. Um, 
he's been killing it so far in the preseason, and it seems like he's had that confidence back. He talked about that this offseason, getting his confidence back, getting to the player that he used to be. And right now, it looks like he's on a good track. If we can get Ben Simmons back to what he used to be, this will be a fun season. All right, moving on from the Nets. If you're an NBA guy, which I know you're a big NBA guy, and you're, let's say you're not a Nets fan anymore. You, you're done with the Nets. Something happens, and you just don't like the Nets anymore. Which franchise are you choosing and why? Interesting question. Um, let's see. I mean, if I'm if I'm just a front runner and I'm rooting for hopefully I can snag a championship within the next couple of years, you got to be all aboard the Milwaukee train uh, after the Damian Lillard trade. Lillard and Giannis, that's a very fun duo to root for. It's like the modern day Kobe and Shaq. We'll see how they work together. Um, but Milwaukee definitely, definitely going to be fun this season and shouldn't obviously be in that conversation for to win an NBA title this year. Uh, if you're looking for some youth, some pieces put together, you know, you might have to go a couple different routes. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are a very fun team to look forward to in the future. Have a lot of really good pieces, have a lot of really good talent. Um, and could be something big in the future, but not necessarily a win-now team. How would you classify your your fan fandom? Would you say championship or bust, optimism, oh, my team's going to stink every year? What is kind of your fandom? I'm full-on optimism throughout all my sports. I'm a huge New York Jets fan. That is my favorite team in all of sports, and – Time and time again, there is always something to look forward to uh, in the Jets season, and they demoralize my spirit every single year. So uh, definitely optimism. Uh, I'm completely back on that optimism train for the New York Jets after taking down the Philadelphia Eagles. Defense looks great, and I'm like, hey, maybe we can get it done with Zach Wilson, when in reality, probably cannot. But full optimism. Uh, I have optimism in the Yankees every single year as well, and they constantly let me down. Uh, So... It's a little bit of a combination in terms of I know I'm going to get crushed, but, but I got to root for it. Wow, I'm I'm kind of surprised about this optimism. I'm I'm <laughs> not I'm not liking it at all, to be honest with you. I am I might be not. I, I mean, it depends on teams. I feel like because I feel like if you're the Yankees and you're a fan of the Yankees, optimism is just not the way to go. Um, but it other teams. Be. But other teams like the Jets and the Nets, I think optimism is all right. Um, overall, maybe something to look forward to. All right, moving on to baseball, NLCS, Phillies, Diamondbacks. Who you like? I mean, you can't not be on the Philly train after how Citizens Bank. Oh, I see you shaking your head immediately, but. If if you see the electricity that is Citizens Bank Park, it's it's unreal. Um, I'm not even a Philly fan, but I want to be in that stadium rooting for it. Uh, Bryce Harper, at least in the playoffs, this this guy's the best player in baseball when it comes to the big moments. Um, I was rooting. I, I also like the Braves. Uh, Ron Acuna is my favorite player in the MLB. I was kind of rooting for whoever won that series. Uh, the Diamondbacks, although they're young, they have some excitement. They're just not as much of a flashy team. I don't really want to see them in a World Series. I think it'd be a little boring. And then who'd want to, who wants to root for the Dodgers? So I didn't really care about that series. I'm all aboard the Philly train right now. It's it's the D-backs. It's a team nobody expected. Number one, the they're the, they're on, they're the underdogs. Come on. Oh yeah. Now going into this kind of playoffs, we we all knew the Phillies were going to do something. Um, nobody knew about the Diamondbacks. They're exciting. They're young. Nobody's really talking about them. And not having a big market team kind of left in the playoffs, except for the Phillies, like, let's be honest, the viewership for baseball in the World Series is going to be down anyways. So why not tank it all the way down? Tank the ratings. I'm a huge fan of tanking ratings, especially when my team is not in the championship. So let's go D-backs. Let's tank those ratings. Corbin Carroll, he's a guy. Their pitching staff, I feel like, is very underrated, too. I don't know. There's just something I like about the D-backs. I feel like they're young, they're interesting, 
they're different. Yes, they don't have the wow factor that the Phillies do, but I feel like sometimes you just got to go back to the old days and you just got to play baseball, speed, youth, contact. That's what I like to see on the D-back side of things. We'll move on to the ALCS. Um, I'm not happy about this at all. Um, the Houston <laughs> Astros and the Texas Rangers. Got the Texas Bowl, man. Um, I think besides the nice city of Houston, everything around it in Texas and in the United States is rooting for the Rangers in this one. Um, as a Yankees fan, still to this day, I am a big-time hater of the Houston Astros, but I've learned my lesson, and you can't bet against the Houston Astros in the playoffs. We'll see what they do, bringing the series. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Where, where did the series start, this one? Rangers were the favorites, or no, it was in Houston? Um, I believe the Astros were the favorites. That's interesting. And the Rangers up 2-0. You got to root for the Rangers here, uh, and you got to expect them to win it. Their offense is red hot. They have a plethora of good players in their lineup. They have a pitching staff. Um, and they are scorching hot at the right time. Um, going 2-0, bringing it back to their home stadium for three games straight. Got to expect the Rangers to pull out this one, but you cannot cannot doubt the Houston Astros in the playoffs. As Yankees fans, we've definitely learned our lesson in that. See, I have a predicament. I don't like the Texas Rangers because I feel like now they're overrated and Jordan Montgomery is supposedly somehow turning out to be God as a pitcher. And let's be honest, he is good, but he's nothing really special, special in my opinion. Um, not a big Rangers guy. Yes, Corey Seager. Yes, Simeon. They're both likable guys. Evan Carter is now becoming amongst some of my friend group overrated. He's not like the next coming of Ken Griffey Jr. or something like that. He's a good ball player, but he's not God. Let's, let's chillax just a little bit. But the Astros, you know I hate the Astros. Most people know I hate the Astros. But there's one man on that Astros team that I can never hate, and it's Jose Altuve. I can never hate the guy. He's 5'6". He's got pop. He's everything that a kid would want to dream up of being. A guy who's not the biggest guy in the room, but he can deliver. Rangers up 2-0, I feel like they're going to win this game, but uh, win this series. But to be honest with you, I don't want either team to win. I want it to go to seven games, and whoever – actually, I was going to say whoever wins this series should lose um, in the World Series, but I also hate the Phillies more than both teams. So um, with that said, I'll go Rangers, but I'm not happy about it, and I'm not happy about the Astros either. Um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I, I thought you were going a different way with one person you can't root against on the Houston Astros. Um, I'm not a Jose Altuve guy. I get your point. Uh, the only guy I could say I enjoy watching as a baseball fan is Jordan Alvarez. Uh, I mean, that guy is an absolute tank okay. when it comes I to I don't like him. I don't really like him. The other guy on the Astros would be Frammer, Frammer Valdez. As okay. Well. Those okay. are the two guys that I actually like on the Astros. The rest of the team, I, Alex Bregman is like a likable guy, but because of the scandal, I just, I just yeah, can't, can't I just can't do it anymore. All right, so we disagreed on who's going to the World. Actually, well, we kind of agreed on who's going to the World Series, but not really. Um, so now, who's your World Series team? Yeah, it's again a tough one. Uh, I'm hoping it's Rangers, Phillies. Uh, I'm a little opposite on you. I don't want to tank the ratings. Uh, I think baseball has always struggled in terms of getting fans outside of normal baseball fans to watch a World Series. But I think with the electricity that is Citizens Bank Park, if you match that up against a bit of some freshness in the Rangers lineup instead of having the Astros once again, although I think even if the Astros get there, you have the repeat from last year, uh, that can maybe boost some ratings. That could get people interested. Uh, Bryce Harper knocks a home run in Citizens Bank. Uh, people are going to like that uh, in terms of the crowd reactions. Um, I'm going to go with this Phillies year. Uh, in terms of Philly itself, I never want to root for that, uh, having Philadelphia bring a championship home. But they were so close last year, had the impressive run. Uh, I think they're even better this year. They're in full form and looking for them to take it this year. Yeah, um, D-backs are winning the World Series. Um, <laughs> D-backs, they're young. There's something different about this team that I like. You can say all you want that. You want you don't want to tank the ratings, but I just get so upset 
when my teams don't do well. And if you look at all the sports teams, and I might go on a rant at some point during this episode, all my teams are at best mediocre. Every single one of my team is either me is mediocre at best or just trash, absolute trash. It's not a good sight to be Derek in sports. These teams stink. <laughs> Derek's not happy. It's unacceptable. And it's just not a good sight to see when Derek is unhappy about his sports teams. It's not, it's not a good sight. You, I'm surprised you haven't heard me yell about certain games because I'm just so I'm I'm just so livid with all of my sports teams. There's no winners in this. I I think I heard a few yells from across campus. Pretty sure when the when the Yankees slipped away from the playoffs, I, I heard you somewhere. I'm I'm sure you did. All right, now we're moving on to the NFL side of things, and we'll first talk about your New York Jets. Obviously, you mentioned earlier that you're an optimistic fan. Why are you optimistic about the New York Jets? Uh. A lot of good stuff in the last few weeks um, after totally turning on Zach Wilson after the Patriots game in week two, or was that week three? Week um, three. He has turned it around uh, playing a phenomenal game against the Chiefs, actually outperforming Pat Mahomes in that game, uh, doing his job against the Denver Broncos, and then not doing anything super spectacular against the Eagles, but being able to game manage and let the defense do its work. And that's really why I'm super optimistic. Uh, I think this defense is elite. This defense is one of the best in the league. And it allows the Jets to be able to compete with any team in the league. They have at MetLife Stadium versed Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts and have a combined nine turnovers on those guys. Um, playing real good against any quarterback that comes in. And that's what gives me some hope about this team. So. With that said, Zach Wilson is your quarterback as of right now. Do you want to go out there and get a new quarterback? Do you want to stay stick with Zach Wilson? What do you what do you think the Jets should do there? Uh, like I said, after that week three game, I was hoping that maybe some sort of Kirk Cousins situation was in the cards. Um, as of now, no. Uh, hmm. He was the number two overall pick. Guy clearly has some talent. His biggest problem was, I think, he was just lacking confidence and felt a lot of pressure in the pocket at times. He would make bad decisions, maybe have some tunnel vision. Uh, I think Nathaniel Hackett and the offense is kind of catering to his game a little bit more. We've seen a lot more play actions and rollouts in the past few games. He's been able to just settle in with easy throws and then make some of the bigger throws from that, be able to just uh, find his groove. Uh, not saying he's the superstar quarterback at all, but if he's able to just game manage and if they're able to make a game plan that suits him, this defense and the talent and the weapons that they have on offense is going to be able to allow the Jets to compete. Is Zach Wilson the future? Is Zach Wilson the future quarterback for the New York Jets? That's a real interesting question and one that I don't know if I have the answer to. Uh, it's real big. In terms of what the heck is going on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers has self-proclaimed that coming back this season isn't out of the cards, which I think that would be a medical miracle. But I don't know what that guy does with his medical whatever haps drugs he's on. But if uh, if that happens, if Rodgers wants to return next year, uh, it'd be a little weird to say Zach and along with his defense, make a playoff run. Uh, it'd be weird being like, hey, we're not giving the kid the starting job anymore. We're going with Rodgers for one more year, which I think would be the right decision if Aaron Rodgers is healthy. With this defense, could we be a Super Bowl contender? Perhaps. But then if that all happens, I don't know what you do with Zach. You, you sit him one more year, and then hopefully he learns a little bit more, and then you can go on. It's a complicated situation. Uh, once again, optimism, though. I am hopeful that Zach could be the future quarterback of this team. So with your optimism, where do you see the Jets going this year? Uh, I'm going to say knocking right on the door of a playoff team. Do I? Oh, think... oh wow. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, Not no a lot of optimism. The reason I said, that, the, reason I said that is the, the schedule lightens up a lot. This was in the beginning of the year. With Aaron Rodgers, keep in mind, uh, a lot of Jets fans were saying if we go into the bye week, which is this week, at 3-3, three and three, we'd be in a good situation. 
Uh, we didn't. We don't have Aaron Rodgers for the first six games, and we are three and three. So uh, I think it's a team, like I said, that can compete. Um, the schedule softens up majorly. Uh, we come out of the bye week versus the Giants. Uh, we have a streak of versing uh, the Texans and the Raiders and the Falcons at some point. Um, there's a lot of wins that we can get towards the end of that season. Again, not saying we are a playoff team, but I think we're going to be right in that conversation in terms of like the last three weeks. Say so it'll be all oh, if we can go one and if we can go two and one, maybe even three and zero, oh, and a couple teams have some losses here and there. Maybe we sneak into a seven seed, uh, but I think we'll be right on that nine seed to seven seed in the AFC. I don't think there's a lot of optimism coming from you. There's not a lot of optimism. You think three and, more? They're three and three right now. You look at the rest. If you go by conference, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs slam dunk, but I was, I mean, oh, you're Mr. happy about this. But oh, like, I like that. But I like, you're op- saying playoffs is too optimistic. No, no, I think you're like not optimistic. Like, I think playoffs is like a realistic chance. You're yes, like flirting, so I, but like you're like with, flirting with it a little bit. Like, I think playoffs is like a decent chance because. Look, how many there's seven teams that make the playoffs, correct? Yes. All right. So right now you sit set at 10. Mm-hmm. Above you right now is the Texans and the Colts and the Browns. Like right now, if you look at the playoff picture, the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Ravens are all at the top, division winner, uh, and the Jaguars, all division yep. winners. Then you have the Bills, Steelers, and Browns. Bills are going to be in the Steelers. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't have confidence in their offense. I think the Jets cert- can certainly be better than the Steelers, and the Browns. I think you can be better than the Steelers. So if you look at that picture as of right now, you're in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Uh, with the optimism, have to come a little bit of realism. The Jets fandom, nothing ever goes right. Uh, so I'm going to give myself a little cushion. I would like to be knocking on that playoff door, and I would like to say we enter it. But, um, you know, a lot of unfortunate things happen in the Jets. Injuries happen, and the AFC is a loaded conference. Uh, I can't say we're a shoe-in after six weeks only being 500. And then I look at who's behind you. Like, the Arrested teams, the Texans, you're better than. Um, and then behind you, you're better than the Raiders. Bengals... The Bengals, I think, have figured it out. They should I think, continue to win. I these. think they should be able to, but I'm not like 100% because there's a T. Higgins situation, which he might be hurt. He also probably wants to be traded because he wants a new contract. Um, the Titans stink. Uh, the Chargers, I think, are not going to make the playoffs this year. And I think Brandon Staley is going to be fired finally after 35 long years as the head coach. Um but I, I, I don't I don't think it's like flirting with the I think like if you're an optimism optimistic guy, I think you should say, hey, we're making the playoffs this year. Like flirting with it, I'm not a fan of. I think that's kind of a that's not an optimism. It's not an op- optimism that I'm looking from you, Tommy. That's kind of just like a realism um perspective. So your optimism on the Jets just isn't isn't <laughs> I, I'll, a, I'll isn't playoffs, isn't man. isn't as what I would was expecting. I'll just I'll just paint the picture again. Though. We have the four division winners. Either it's going to be the Bills or the Dolphins, and the other team's going to be a wild card team. Yeah, it's either going to be the Ravens or I think the I think the Bengals are going to figure it out. I think it's going to be the Ravens or the Bengals. The other team's going to be a playoff team, and then it leaves only one spot. You said the Chargers won't make it. Chargers, I can agree with that, but they're still a talented roster. Their coaching's not good. He's and then I think I think the Browns have a very good defense, and if Watson's healthy. Could they make it? And that's why I said nine to seven. I think we're going to be right with the Browns, the Chargers, and ourselves in terms of one of those teams is going to sneak in. See, I feel like what you're thinking is you're thinking the Jets make it at seven. I think the Jets can make it at six. But I'm not saying that they will. This is not this is not saying that the Jets are making the playoffs yeah. and it's a slam dunk. But as a person who has been optimistic with teams, the optimism for the Jets should be six seed. Um now I'll go on my New York football giants. And Here we go, baby. Since since I'm usually not optimistic with certain teams, the Giants I'm optimistic about. We are one in five 
on the season. And I'm not saying we can make the playoffs, but I think we have a chance. I think we have a chance. When you look at the schedule, Commanders win. Jets are a playoff team, but let's be honest, Zach Wilson has question marks. Who knows if they'll figure it out? I'm optimistic. I'm going to go optimistic, Giants. I'm not going realistic. I'm going optimistic. Uh, Commanders win. Jets win. Raiders win. Cowboys at the Cowboys. That's a loss. At the Commanders, tie. Patriots win. Packers win. Saints win. At, At Philadelphia, that's a loss. Then we end the season with the Rams and the Eagles. Both wins because the Eagles bench their players. So for the rest of the season, that's two losses and a tie. That's a playoff team. I was I was gonna say just to make sure I'm correct. You called the tie in there. Yeah, I called a tie against the Commanders because every single that is an interesting because, play because every single time they play the Commanders, there's always a tie. Every single season, they have a stupid, stupid, stupid tie. So they got seven. So they have two more losses on the season. So that's a playoff team. I will say that is definitely an optimistic look at the Giants schedule. Uh, I'm a Rams believer. Uh, I think you mentioned you played them at the end of the season. Yes. Yes. Uh, see, that's, I think, going to be a tough one. I think. It's at home, though. Daniel Jones, if he's healthy, that guy smokes the commanders. That is, see, that is see? a guarantee. That is a guarantee. But right now, the commanders aren't playing horrible ball. I would say it'd be a one and one there. Um, and I, at the current moment, I don't think the Giants are good enough to go on a three-game win streak of the Commanders, Jets, Raiders. I think those are all 50-50 games. I think they're going to um, beat the Raiders. I think the Raiders they should. win. They should. No, I think that's, like, as a realistic, uh, uh, I, if I'm being going back to realism, that's a win. There's no way the Giants should have less than three wins on the season. If the Giants have less than three wins on the season, it's a failure. Oh, you mean in the whole season? In the whole season. The Giants will be better than that. The Giants will end with at least five, I think. Five? Wow. Because I'm not sure that's... Six six games, they have 11 left. They should go four and seven to end this season, at least. Uh, This is a different team would take Quan Barkley back. I don't don't know. I don't know That guy's a difference maker. He's he's one of the the two running backs in the league. So you have them beat the Commanders... You have them beat the Raiders. That's two. I would wins. say so. Yes. Um, they're not going to beat the Cowboys. Do you have them beat no. the Commanders at at the Commanders? No, That's no. You fifty game. You said you said they'll split, so they'll lose that one. So they have mm. two more wins. Um, Patriots is that a win? Yeah. That's three now. Packers, Wait, is it in MetLife? Yeah, it's at MetLife. Yeah, that's a win. And then Packers and Saints. One of those has to be a win then. Yeah. Packers, Saints, maybe that other Commanders game. Maybe to beat the Rams, like you said, maybe the Eagles rest their guys. They get a win in that. They should find a fourth win somewhere in that schedule. Okay. Now that I look at it, it makes sense, the fourth win. Like, But I I feel like, though, like with the fourth win, if you're being realistic, I feel like it's 50-50. But I don't know why I'm real. I don't know why I'm optimistic about the Giants, to be honest with you. There's been no reason to be optimistic. No. Um, but I, I see it. I, I see the script. I'm going to be, I, I used to say that they're probably going to win seven, like seven, eight wins this year. Um, like looking at their schedule, but I've been talking with my giants fans. Some of them say, let's tank for Caleb Williams. Some of them are like, Hey, we're making the playoffs this year. I'm going to ride with optimism today. Maybe tomorrow I'll probably be like, I don't know why I just said that. That's absolutely crazy. But right now, as we stand today, this time, the Giants are going to have two more losses and a tie um, for the rest of the season and win the rest of their games. And everybody right now, Giants fans included, are crapping on Daniel Jones. I don't don't like the crap. I don't like the crap on Daniel Jones. Yes, he has played worse. Yes, he's not as good as as he was last year. But guess what, people? Guess what? Who is their receivers? It's a box For of sure. cookies. Who For is sure. their offensive line? It's a bag of chips. What is their de- what is their defense done? It's been mid. Like 
let's be honest. Like, I think the reason Giants fans are starting to become a little bit delusional is let's be honest. Last season, nobody expected the Giants to be it. The Giants were two, two years away, two or three years away from actually being contenders to make the playoffs. They jump script and make the playoffs. And now Giants are like, yes, we get Darren Waller, Saquon's back, Daniel Jones another year with Dable. We're making the playoffs. We're going to do better than we were last year. And you start the schedule and you're like, wait, we're actually not going to be as good as we are last year. Maybe best will be the same. And I was like, I'm hoping for the same, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. At the end of the day, I think realistically the giants are going to be six or seven have six or seven wins on the season and have like a 15 10 to 15 range pick um but optimism we're making the playoffs there's something to believe about this giants team i think they'll figure it out um tyrod taylor had a great game the now giants fans are saying let's start tyrod taylor over daniel jones and it's like i totally get it i totally understand where you're coming from you're being delusional at this point you like need your you just want to win football games but at this point you pay daniel jones for a reason and everybody's now like that contract is terrible let's be honest tommy would you rather be in the giants situation at quarterback or the jet situation uh i mean currently it's tough like the giants have their quarterback locked down so that's much nicer. Uh, the Jets have, like we were talking about before, a very weird two-quarterback dynamic of we don't know what's going to happen for the next year or two. So it's interesting. Well, would you rather have the Giants quarterback situation or no? Uh, yeah, I think Daniel Jones could probably thrive on the Jets too. Uh, I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. Like you said, their offensive line has not helped at all. Uh, he's played at several games without Saquon Barkley, who's clearly the best player on this team. Um, you know, it, Jones is a capable quarterback. Yeah, I think he, if you're sitting at quarterbacks right now, I think he's number 20 um, on my list. I think um, to start the season, he probably was my, like, like at some times I was just like being delusional and saying that he was a top 10 quarterback. But realistically, he probably was in that 12 to 15 range. And yep. I think he's taken a step back in the 20 range. Um, but that's all right. I mean, you got to understand that Andrew Thomas has barely played a game of football. And Giants fans are like, well, what do they do with, with them? Well, guess what? Come on, now you add pieces. You change the roster a little bit. Like, I think the most underrated thing for the Giants is losing Julian Love on defense. Um, yeah. that, that's a huge loss in my opinion, the giants jets, both at this point, neither of them are great. Um, if you're a fan of either team, you most likely would rather be a jets fan, um, at this point in time. But as we look at this entire NFL, what team do you, what team is like kind of an underrated team? that you think is like a sleeper to make the playoffs and maybe make a run that maybe you thought at the beginning of the year, or maybe you think now I've been on the Rams train since be uh, before this season. Uh, I said, if they brought back a healthy Cooper cup, I think Matt Stafford finally got healthy. That was the problem last year. His shoulder was nagging him. Not saying this team's going to run it back to the Super Bowl, but we just saw them win the Super Bowl. I think with a healthy Matt Stafford, healthy Cooper cup, I had this team as a playoff team. Um, I think that's the same capability that this Rams team could have. They're probably one of my underdogs for the NFC. Um, AFC a little tougher. Uh, there's a lot of separation, I think, in between um, many of the teams in it. Uh, I think there's a clear top six that we talked about, and then a couple of those teams fighting for the playoffs. Uh, I might give it to the Browns. I think the Browns have a very stout defense uh, if Watson can come in and play even half of what he was when he was a Houston Texan. Uh, this team could be dangerous. Losing Nick Chubb obviously hurts. Uh, that was their full – that was mainly their offense over the past few years, their run game. So not saying they're going to make any sort of run, but definitely a team to look at. Yeah, I like the – I feel like back on your Rams point, I think it wasn't necessarily getting healthy. It was finding a running back. They did that. Kyron Williams sure. is that guy right now. And that's the reason I think they're succeeding. NFC, I really don't really have a huge sleeper, um, to be honest with you, at this season. I just think the NFC South is kind of just up for grabs. 
Yeah. So, like, if I were to say sleeper now in the NFC, I don't really, I don't really see one. I like that Rams pick. Um, I I used to say kind of the Bears, but I think the Bears are just at a point in time where they're just not going to succeed. Um, yeah. at this point, I probably would have gone Falcons to be honest with you at the beginning of the season getting Bijan. Um, the Lions. The Lions, I was a big fan of, but I think that's not really an underrated pick because everybody kind of knew they were going to, you know, make the playoffs and make a run. Um, Desmond Ritter's a question mark with the Falcons, though, but I think the adding Bijan is a huge help. Their defense is still solid. It's not great, but it's all right. I feel like that would be the kind of sleeper team um, in the NFC. I think if we're talking about the Super Bowl, I think you could definitely say the Lions are still somewhat of that team. I think there's three realistic teams that can make the Super Bowl in the NFC right now, the 49ers, the Eagles, and perhaps the Lions. And right now, those other two teams look still better than the Lions. Um, I feel like I actually, Cowboys, I, though, too. Interesting. Yeah, I don't – they just always choke. I don't know. If well, no, I agree, but I feel like every, every, that everyone's talking about is always the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Right. Um, um, I just think – I. I I think the I thought the Lions were going to get better. Uh, they've surprised me though. I had the Lions around ten and seven or eleven and six. Uh, they've been phenomenal to start the season. Let's see if they could take a couple games against the Niners or the Eagles in the playoffs and sneak into the Super Bowl. They're definitely an underrated pick for that. Yeah, I think that's the team. AFC. I like your Browns pick. I really do. That's kind of a not an underrated pick. Um, but I I certainly feel like this year is kind of where people are like higher on them. But my team, I've said it. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but I've said this team so many different times. They're winning the division, and it's all because of a certain guy. The guy now is hurt. He's on the IR. But the guy that I like is the receiver, Josh Downs, Indianapolis Colts. I I can't say it enough. And they have three wins, and everybody's like, oh, they're going to win four wins. This is the sleeper team to win that division. Nobody was talking about him at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season. Oh no, it's gonna be the Jaguars. It's gonna be a running favorite. Now people are like, it's, ja- it's still the Jaguars, but I don't know, man. C.J. Stroud, he's looking like a dominant franchise quarterback. Wrong. That's not what's happening. It's the Indianapolis Colts. They're winning that division, and Josh Downs is wide receiver three on the Indianapolis Colts right now. He should be wide receiver two on that team. And guess what? If he was on my New York football Giants, he would be wide receiver number one. I was praying for my Giants to draft him, and they just did not draft him. And guess what all my Giants fans said? He's too small. I don't care. He's better than all of our receivers right now. I think Indianapolis Colts are the sleeper in the AFC. That's the team who I have winning the division. Now with Anthony Richardson out for a while, I still think they're going to win the division. I just don't think they're going to make a big run. Um, in the playoffs, I had a huge hot take one time, and I said that the uh, Indianapolis Colts are going to the, I think I said, AFC championship game. Um, that's a really hot take uh, in the offseason. But I, I, I kind of like them making the playoffs and winning one game at this point in time um, without, since Anthony Richardson is out and he's not going to be, who knows when he's going to be back in time. That's still a hot take from there, from you there, my friend. Um, after the Jaguars convincing win against them, I think the Jaguars have figured it out. I think they will definitely take that division. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. I'm, all, I'm all aboard. I love Minshew Mania, though. Uh, I think that guy could still get it done. That's what is turn is going to turn Josh Downs into a uh, higher caliber receiver. He's targeting him much more. Uh, it doesn't have the upside of Richardson's rushing. So have to lean on that passing game a little bit more. Jonathan Taylor healthy though. Another X factor coming in. We saw his workload get a little bit more uh, in that receiving uh, aspect and looked pretty good in the last game. Uh, Colts, I can see that being a sleeper team. Don't know about winning the division, but they could definitely make some noise. I feel like they are going to win that division. And if you look at that Jaguars game, like, yes, they lost by 17 points and it was pretty handily. But if you dive in deep, and I'm looking at it right now, Minshew, three interceptions. That's why they lost the game. It's 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 pretty simple. Um, if Minshew doesn't have three interceptions, they're probably winning that football game, and the Colts, the Colts are gonna win that one. Um, I, I, I did I like this Colts team. 
Uh, running back, Jonathan Taylor back. Zach Moss, an underrated back who's been performing decent. Wide receivers, or tight ends are right. And this might be the best offense alignment in all of football. It might not be number one, but it is definitely at the top of the list. This Colts team, I'm telling you, for all those viewers out there, watch out. This is my team. This is my team, the Indianapolis Colts. That's the team to make a run that no one's talking about. And I don't know why no one's talking about it now, because let's be honest, they're three and three, and you look at their schedule, they should have probably beat the Rams. So you, they, they should have beat the Rams. It had to go into overtime. Yes, they've lost to Jacksonville twice. You can say all you want about that, but who cares? They continue to win football games. They beat the Ravens. Like I look at their schedule, their only losses at this point are to the Jaguars. Um, yes, they lost the Rams, but that should have been a win. So you're talking about a four and two team tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars if they won that Rams game, and it's just down to head to head at that point. And they won't have a head to head. But I think I I, I don't know. I, I like this Colts team. I really do. That's a team I like um, in the NFL. Yeah, not a bad pick there. Uh, NFL, interesting. Before we go, let's do some fast. Super Bowl picks, kind of out of out of pocket Super Bowl picks. So not like your typical like, let's go 49ers and Bills. No, we're going out of pocket Super Bowl picks. So I'll give you mine. Um, I've I already raved about the Colts, but Minshew's hurt, so I can't really go there. I think that's too out of pocket. Um, look, I'm gonna go. Brown, I'm gonna go Cleveland Browns. I like the Browns pick there. Um, I'll go Browns Vikings. Interesting. I'm a Vikings hater. I was since the beginning of the year. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson. I think having him hurt is actually gonna help them, um, in the sense of getting their other pieces ready. Um, I think mm-hmm. and Alexander Madison is an underrated back. I, I don't know. I feel like that's a sneaky team no one's talking about at this point. There's something about them that I feel like, yes, they're losing close games, but at some point in time, they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think they might be too far in a hole. And that was their thing last year. They won like 90% of games decided by one score. So I think they were a little, uh, little their win-loss ratio was a little inflated last year. Uh, we'll see Definitely. if they can make a run up. The NFC, the, at least the wild cards, it's wide open. So you never know if they get on a little run. Yeah, what, do, what is your out-of-pocket uh, sleeper Super Bowl? All right, I'll give you two for the AFC because you want to hear some optimism. How about the New York Jets, baby? Give them to me. Give me a Super Bowl run. Why not? There's some optimism for you. Um, in all reality, I don't care who you put at quarterback. I do think this defense is for sure top three in the NFL, could be top one. We just saw them embarrass Jalen Hurts, and they didn't have a starting cornerback play in that game. Um, their pass rush is elite. Uh, Quincy Williams, linebacker, playing like a pro bowler currently. And their secondary, when healthy, is dangerous, too. Uh, it could carry them. And then, hey, if Zach Wilson could grow, as long as he can game manage, the defense could keep him in any game. Uh, I'll give you a different one. Coming from the same division, though, I was very high on them obviously, as everybody probably was the first three games. Uh, but I'm still going to say it because I think now they're a little bit of a sleeper because they've been exposed. But give me the Miami Dolphins. Um, How is that defense, a sleeper? Oh, come on. That's they, not a sleeper. They've been, they've been exposed. Their defense is not good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Bills absolutely shellacked them. Uh, this offense is so high power, though, that hey, if it comes to a shootout, you know, this team could beat anybody. I don't think I don't um, think the Dolphins is a sleeper, but go ahead. I don't think it's necessarily a sleeper, but look, you got the Bills, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bengals, you got the Jaguars. You have a lot of good teams there. Um, I'm not going to pull. I don't know who you want to say. I'm not going to pull Houston Texans to go to the Super Bowl. No, or something no, like that, no, no, no. That's no, a little no. too crazy. I said the Browns. That's pretty out of pocket. That is. I couldn't take the same one as you though, and I was just talking about the Browns. I have to give a different one. I'm not a go, Ravens believer, so you could have so gone Raiders. You could have gone Chargers. I'm not going the Raiders. The Chargers are choke jobs. I give you the Jets. How about that? I'll, I'll take the Jets. I'll take the Jets. All right, and then I guess uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right back to my Rams. Then uh, I think the Rams have a chance at 
heading back to the Super Bowl where they were a few years ago. Um, there's not a lot of teams in the NFC that I think realistically can get to the Super Bowl, but yeah, yeah give me the Rams. Let's see if they can make another run. I, I like the Rams pick, and I'll and I and I'll accept the Jets. The Miami Dolphins one is just not not something that I was looking forward to, but that's all we have for episode 55. Tommy Armstrong, do we have any last words for our listeners out there? Hey, it was just a pleasure having me. Appreciate it. Um, continue tuning in to Derek's episodes. Uh, hopefully. This one did you some justice on some sports takes, but uh, thank you for having me, Derek. That's all.